Well, let's open our scriptures again to the gospel according to Mark chapter number 11. And uh, I would like to go again to our Lord in a word of prayer before we get into the message this morning. So please pray with me and pray for me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the privilege that you've given us to preach your word. We thank you for the privilege you've given us to gather around it and to study it. And through the word of God, we have the privilege to worship you, King of kings and Lord of lords. Not only do we say that in a general sense, but we say that you are our king. We are your people. We are your subjects. And it is right that you be seated high upon the throne, high and exalted, and that would we should be low before you. We pray that you would reveal your truth to us this morning by the precious Holy Spirit. Open our hearts and teach us, teach us, Lord, out of your word. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. amen. Well, if you don't mind, I'd like to read verses 20 through 26 again. That is uh, our text this morning because we've been walking through this chapter. We Last Sunday evening, I began uh, on this and didn't get completely finished. And so I'd like to finish what we started teaching on this passage of Scripture. Beginning in verse number 20, And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursedst is withered away. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. I, I'm tempted to stop right there and, and just say it again. Have faith. In God. What a, what a statement. This is an imperative statement from our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a command. It is not only a command, but it's an exhortation. It is an encouragement. It's an encouragement in this sense. You can trust Him. We can trust Him. You can have faith in God. And the disciples, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the disciples were going to have to have some, some real faith in God to be able to carry on the ministry that Jesus is going to leave to them. And you and I are going to have to have serious faith. Faith, not faith in faith, not faith in our abilities, not faith in our education, but faith in God. 
We're going to have to have faith in God to carry on the ministry that he has laid upon us as well. And I, I wondered as I was reading this again this morning, I, I, I have such a hard time when I'm, uh, especially when I haven't finished a, a passage and I have to preach it again, I'm, I just get so much more I want to say. But I was thinking this morning about this thing of trusting God. Have you ever put yourself in a position where you had to trust God? Have you ever found yourself in a position in your life where, like Peter, when he got out of the ship walking on the water, if Jesus didn't rescue you, you were sunk? I don't know, a preacher, I avoid things like that. Well, you shouldn't. We shouldn't avoid things like that because you can trust Him. You can trust Him. You can go ahead and jump out of the ship. You, you know, the, that ship that Peter got out of, that was not like a rowboat. He didn't just tip tiptoe over the side. He had to jump out he had to jump into the stormy see it was storming and he goes walking to Jesus oh no he didn't make it far but Jesus called him you can trust him you can trust him thank God you can trust him I remember just oh my I, a few years ago when when God put it on our hearts to join to every tribe and move to South Texas, we, we didn't have any support raised. We had nothing. We just, we just uh, sold everything we had, loaded what was left up in the back of a pickup truck, and took off. No, no promises for the future except for this. We knew we could trust him. And he proved that we could trust him. Isn't that amazing? You can just trust Jesus. He never let you down. There were a few times that we have been sitting in northern Mexico in our cars surrounded with cartels, uh, guys with guns, drug cartel guys with guns. And we knew that we could trust him. You say, you mean, you mean you knew you could trust him not to let you get killed? Oh, no, that wasn't what we were trusting him for. Not at all. We weren't trusting him not to let us get killed. We were trusting him that if it was his will for us to give our lives right there on the mission field, that he would take us to that place he's prepared for us. You can trust him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were facing King Nebuchadnezzar in that fiery furnace, and he said, I'm going to give you one more chance. When you hear the music, you bow to my image. And they said, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter, O king. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. And if not, 
Did you hear that? And if not, be it known to you, we're not going to bow to your image. God's able to deliver us from the fire, but if he decides not to deliver us from the fire, we're still going to serve him because we can still trust him. Because we're not trusting him to get us out of the fire. We're trusting him to take us to the place he's prepared. We're trusting our souls to him. You can trust him. For verily I say unto you. That's message number one and it didn't cost any extra. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. And when ye stand praying, forgive if ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now, uh, not to go back and and re-preach what I've already preached, but I, I do need to uh, help us to understand what's going on in this section of Scripture. And I said this uh, Sunday evening, and uh, and there's uh, three or four things that we got to get if we're going to understand this passage of Scripture. That uh, uh, this is still part of this context of Jesus coming in to Jerusalem in, uh, uh, as the Messiah, as the uh, uh, king of the Jews, of the key, as the king of, uh, of the people of God. He is coming in uh, just exactly like the prophets had, uh, had said that he would come in. And he was riding on the donkey just like Zechariah said that he would. And he offers himself as the king. And uh, there is this, uh, uh, this reception, it seems. A lot of people talking or talking and shouting and praising and uh, uh, throwing their coats and and palm branches and things in the road as he comes and they're uh, shouting and saying Hosanna to the son of David all these things are happening but he gets to the temple and there's no coronation there's no uh, uh, there, that's as far as it goes. It seems like everything just gets quiet, goes back to normal. Jesus goes into the temple, looks around, sees what's going on, goes back to Bethany. The next morning coming back from Bethany, he sees a fig tree that is in leaf. It 
appears that it would have figs on it, and he goes to it and finds no figs, just leaves. And it's a picture of Israel. It's a picture of what's going on in that temple. It's a picture of all that commotion that was going on the night before when he rode into Jerusalem. It looks good from a distance. It looks like Israel is really fulfilling its purpose. They've got a beautiful temple. It's, they're worshiping God in that temple. They've got a beautiful uh, uh, or a, uh, a, a crowd of people, a mass of people rejoicing in the Messiah. They've got all this going on. It really looks good. But when he went in and looked around, he didn't find any fruit. And the fig tree is exactly the same way. It's a picture. It's a picture of Israel. Okay? So he uh, didn't find any fruit on the fig tree. He curses the fig tree the next day. Or, and then he goes into the temple, excuse me. He goes into the temple and he starts overturning the tables of the money changers and driving out the livestock and stop them from using the temple as a shortcut to another part of the city. He uh, begins to do those things and then the next day they see the fig tree withered away and it is a picture of what is happening that temple mount that's going to be done away with. That whole temple uh, setting is going to be done away with. That's not going to be the center of worship for the new covenant people of God. Jesus himself is going to be the temple. Jesus himself is going to be the place where man meets with God. And so this, what this is all about is fruitless Israel for one thing it's about replacing the old covenant which is represented by the temple in the whole temple mount with the new covenant the new temple of God which is Jesus Christ and uh, the gospel of Christ and this is about the disciples and all of their followers having to preach a message that does not lead them to a, an earthly temple where there is animal sacrifices, but they're going to be preaching a different message about a Messiah who gave himself as a sacrifice for their sins. And he is the sacrifice and he is the priest and he is the altar and he is the ark of the covenant and he is the mercy seat and the uh, blood that was sprinkled for the old covenant was sprinkled on top of the mercy seat which was on top of the ark of the covenant which held the broken law God would look at the blood and wouldn't look any further. But this new covenant, Jesus, is not just uh, sprinkled blood up in heaven, but he's seated at the right hand of the throne bearing the wounds of our sins. Oh, that's, 
That's the new covenant. That's the message that we're preaching. And they're going to have to have faith to do that. But he goes on and preaches and teaches about effectual prayer. And so that's what we're talking about now. And what we talked about uh, uh, for a little while Sunday evening, effectual prayer. And we said that there are four F's here that we need to uh, uh, settle our minds upon in effectual prayer. Number one is focus. The focus of effectual prayer. Uh, everyone knows what the word effectual means, right? It means it works. Okay? Effectual means it works. When we talk about eff the effectual call, when we're talking about the doctrines of grace, we call talk about the effectual call. means it works. When he calls, you come. <laughs> and this is what we mean when we talk about effectual prayer. Prayer that has power, prayer that works, effectual uh, prayer is focused, and it's focused on God. I've already said it, but I'll say it again. It's not focused on faith. It's not focused on the thing I want. It's not focused even on itself as prayer. It's focused on God because it wants God's glory. It wants God's will. It wants to get in line with God and not get God in line with it. Because we know he's got the plan. He's the one that has decreed all things. And, and we're to get in with what he's doing instead of trying to get him in on what we're doing. We don't get to use him. He uses us. <laughs> right? We don't command him. Oh, have you seen any of this ridiculous stuff that these guys are doing on the television ministries? I hear some of them even say that God, they literally have the have the brass on their face to say that God asks them for advice. <coughs> Listen, this is not what they do, their praying and all that they claim about their prayers. It's, uh, it's false. It's not what we're talking about here at all. Not only is the prayer, uh, effectual prayer focused, but effectual prayer is full of faith or faithful. And there's two aspects of faithfulness that uh, we must be faithful in life in order to have an effectual prayer life. You don't get to pray one way and live another way. You don't get to pray. You don't get to pray holy prayers and live an unholy life. You don't get to. It just, it's just not that way. But, and, and listen, if you're not, if you don't trust him enough and if you don't have enough faith in him to live for him, then what does that say about the faith that you exercise in prayer? 
but there is this, uh, there's the lifestyle of faith, but then there's this just praying faith, just believing God. We, uh, the person who is effectual in his prayer life is one who just believes God, as I've already said. He doesn't just believe in God. He believes God. We said last time that uh, uh, he's faithful and, uh, and he can believe God because he knows God's ways. He knows God intimately. He knows God's ways. He is faithful and he keeps on praying even when it seems to uh, be that there's no answer coming. When you see no evidence that uh, something is happening, you just keep on praying because you believe God. And then... Number three, the effectual prayer, effectual praying is forceful praying. Now, the words that Jesus said here, he says in uh, verse number 23, Verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, they didn't say a mountain, right? He said, this mountain, he's talking about Mount, uh, uh, Mount Zion there. He's talking about the Temple Mount. I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he saith. Listen. These are fighting words because this is a spiritual warfare that we enter into and we do not enter into the spiritual warfare with carnal weapons. <clears throat> That's not how it works. That's not how his kingdom is to overtake the world, that's not how his kingdom is to advance in the world. That's not how that uh, uh, the old covenant is going to be put down. It's not going to be with carnal weapons. They're not going to drive a bulldozer up and just level that mountain. That's not the way it is. The way God is going to do his work is through the prayers and the faithful lives of his people. And I might add, and not as a footnote or an afterthought, but through the preaching of his word. These are fighting words. This is, and have you, uh, <coughs> have you ever thought of this? I may have mentioned it when we were back there in chapter number four. And talking about those, uh, uh, the sower and the seed. Remember Remember that? Remember that sower goes forth to sow? And listen, listen to what Jesus says. He's explaining this parable. 
Sower goes forth to sow. Some of the seed falls by the wayside. The birds of the air come and scoop it up. Some the seed falls on stony ground and springs up. And, the, and uh, then as soon as the sun comes out, it withers. Some of the seed falls into uh, falls among thorns and the thorns choke it out. But some of the seed falls into good ground. You remember that? Well, listen. Verse 13, and he said unto them, know ye not this parable, and how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word, and then from that point on, everything else is spiritual warfare. From that point on, it's spiritual warfare. And that's the way life is for the child of God. That's the way the ministry is for the disciples, for you and I this morning. We must be forceful. We must be those kind of people that will set our eyes on the Lord and, uh, and, and begin to come against every mountain, every giant, every obstacle in our lives, every false religion, every heretical teaching, we set our eyes on the Lord and we come against those things through prayer, righteous living, and the preaching of God's Word. I, I'll be honest with you, there are times when I would like to reach through my television set and grab one of those guys by his little lapels and shake him till his little eyeballs rattle. But that's not the way it's done. You see, we overcome error by truth. Just preach truth and have faith in God. Because His Word is what He has given us. It's our weapon. And if we will use it, if we will trust Him and have confidence in His Word, what He does, He's going to do through His Word. Preach it. Don't, uh, don't be uh, cautious or, or, or shy. Uh, I'll tell you, when we're going to be getting together with family during this season of the year, and, and uh, my goodness, what, uh, how hard it is. You just have to be honest about it. It's hard, isn't it, to say, listen, everybody shut up and sit down. I got something to say. I want to talk to you about why we're here. But it's, it's hard to do. But we need to have confidence in the Word of God. The Bible says, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. It's the power, it's the dunamis, it's the life-giving force of God. Do you trust the gospel? Preach it. Preach it to our loved ones, even when it's inconvenient and hard to do. And listen, this thing of being forceful, I, I got to hurry, but being forceful is, that's, that's this uh, just keeping on, keeping on praying, keeping on going 
had it. As a matter of fact, when Jesus taught us to pray, uh, when he taught his disciples over in Luke chapter 11, this is, this is what he's saying here. He says, in verse 9, he says, And I say unto you, ask. And this is present imperative. So he, it, imperative is, is a command, right? But present tense is a continuous or linear motion. In other words, he's saying, be asking. Keep on asking. And, when, and then in verse 10, he says, uh, well, verse 9, Ask, it shall be given you. Seek, again, present imperative. Seek, and keep on seeking. And verse, the same verse, and knock. To him that seeketh, verse 10, everyone that asks receives, everyone that seeks finds, everyone that knocks, it shall be opened. So it's a, it's a continual thing. It's forceful. It's forceful. And you say, well, if, if I just keep on praying, what does that say about my faith? Well, it's only by faith that you will keep on. That proves your faith. The reason I'm keeping on praying is because I have, I know I'm in the will of God. I know I'm praying for something that's God's will. I know that there is a mountain that is in the way that needs to be moved and I'm coming against it. I was going to preach, uh, throw in here about uh, why God sometimes delays the answers to our prayers, and I won't take time to uh, to read them, but it's obvious, isn't it, that we pray sometimes and we don't get the immediate answer. And that's the problem that some people have with the scripture that we're talking about right now, <clears throat> is when they read it and they say that Jesus, they see that Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, be plucked up and cast into the sea, that it should happen immediately. Well, sometimes you have to just keep praying about the same thing. Did you ever notice that? Did you ever notice that, that God doesn't jump up and run at every one of your requests? He doesn't do it. And I, I jotted down some reasons why I think that is. And the first reason is to purify our prayer. Make you search out your prayer and make sure it's in the will of God. And then, secondly, to remind us of our resource. It's God that does these things. You don't get to tell God. He tells you. I'm not bossing God around. And then, not only that, to ensure proper timing, because sometimes I'm asking for things that he's going to give, but it's in his time, not mine. And to sanctify us, sometimes I have to be searching my heart, say, maybe it's because there's sin in my life that God's not answering my prayer. And then there's another reason. Sometimes he just doesn't answer us right now because he's going to increase our joy with the answer. <laughs> you know, like when you wrap up a Christmas gift for your kids and they say, let me open it tonight. No, Christmas morning. 
You see what you're doing? You're building that anticipation. And when he gets it, or she gets it, it's a lot more joy. And so that's kind of some of the things I was thinking about on that. But then, let me hurry and say this. The fourth F is forgiving. Effectual prayer must be forgiving prayer. We are not forgiven if we're not forgiving. Forgiven people are forgiving people. Matthew uh, uh, chapter 6, in the model prayer, Jesus uh, says this. I got it here. Verse 14, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And then Matthew chapter 18, I won't go over and read it, but he gives a, a, a parable or a story about a man uh, who uh, forgave this guy of a huge debt. He came to him, he was a... He was about to go to prison and uh, for this debt, and so he comes to the to uh, the lender and he cries out for mercy. And if you'll have patience with me, I'll pay you every dime, every uh, uh, penny. And and so he had mercy on him and forgave him. And the guy went immediately out and found somebody that owed him just a little bit. And grabbed him by the throat and had him thrown into prison for his debt. And when the, when the first lender heard it, he called him back and had him punished. Because to be forgiven, we must be forgiving. Or a forgiven, maybe I should, shouldn't say it that way. Maybe I should say a forgiving a forgiven person is a forgiving person. Your attitude toward others is a picture of the reality of what's in your heart. And let me say this about forgiving. I, I know I'm going over time, but let me say this about forgiving. Forgiving is not something that's as easy as we would like to think it is. We'd like to think that if we were really, if we were really forgiving, we could just forgive and forget, or that it would be easy that God would just take all the emotions away. No, it's not the way it is. You know, Art is a pretty big fella. If he were to get offended with me today, he could uh, he could do some pretty good damage to my beautiful face. He could make my nose swell and bleed and, and my eyes swollen together and things. And I could come in here at five o'clock this evening with him ready to preach. Now, it would be hard for me to forget that, wouldn't it? But you know what I can do? You see, it takes personal effort 
I've heard what God says, right? I've heard what God says. I know what God requires. And I am more interested in God's will and God's glory than I am my own vengeance. And so here's what I can do. I can come in here at 5 o'clock and stick my hand out and say, good to see you tonight, brother. And if I don't do that, the reason is I got a wicked heart and I'm wanting to hold on to anger. Right? Am I, am I right or am I making it up? Well, okay, let me give you three tests here to close. Three tests for your prayer. Doubt. Are you doubting? Are you believing when you pray like Jesus said you should do? Number two, personal interest. Are you praying out of personal interest and not seeking God's will? And number three, are you forgiving? Father, take these scattered words. I know they've been scattered and hopefully uh, at least intelligible and people will be able to receive something fresh, something helpful, something encouraging from you in order to live a faithful and prayerful life. In Jesus' name.